0: Hi, welcome to The Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at The Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Praise God. So um, this morning, um, we are moving on with our, in our parables series. And this morning, I want to bring the word from Luke 18, And I want to say thank you so much to Isabella who designed this slide for us here, this graphic on there. And I believe she free-handed the the drawings. And so just wanted to, to honor Isabella for doing a slide for us wherever she is. Amen. And so... Um, just to, if you weren't here last Sunday, just uh, we had a busy Sunday last Sunday. We had an update for, from Pastor Frederick in the Ukraine. We don't have any media from Ukraine this week, um, but we are getting ready to send another, some more financial aid this coming week, and um, we'll be in, we'll stay in touch with Pastor Frederick. Um, we also had um, uh, a couple of our friends from YWAM leaving, so, and we had Daniel share with us about what they did on their missions trip in Derbyshire, and then I had to fit a message into all of that, so. Anyway, um, this morning we'll, have, we'll, we'll be finished in time for some good fellowship and we'll be able to enjoy the sun outside. But I want to recap quick, quickly from last Sunday and just to remind you that we said that the purpose behind the parables was really not that Jesus was there to explain spiritual truths, but to um, keep spiritual truths from the, the crowds, the people. And, um, you know... Matthew 13.10 explains that, that that was actually prophecy fulfilled, that Jesus' parables would be veiled, they would be veiled truths, okay? Now, what happens when you look through a veil? You can see something, but it's dim, you know, it's it's obscured, you know? And um, so these stories that Jesus was telling were, you know, there was this deliberate obscurity there. And, um, you know, those that had ears to hear and those that accepted Christ, they, they were able to get something from those stories. Those that were hard of heart were not able to get anything. And we noted two things. One, that God is always bound to his word. You know, the word says, do not, do not um, change one jot nor tittle which means, you know, you can't uncross the T's and undot the I's. His word is his word and we can never change it. So, and God is bound to his word. So as much as we say, God, would you please make an exception for me in this one instance? He would say to you, if it's my will, it's in my word. And so if it's my will, you can have it. But if it's not in my word, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about that. So two things we noted, God's bounties worth. so unrepentant sin and the forsaking of truth resulted in justice, the justice of God being served upon those who wanted nothing to do with the truth and upon those who actually took pleasure in doing evil, all right? And we know the word says, what are the wages of sin? The wages of sin are death. So the penalty of sin is deserved in light of what's godly, in light of what is good, in light of what is true. And we have this stain on our lives that is, that is sin. And it's, if, it's like if you take a bit of bright white paper and I drop, you know, I love using a fountain pen, but if my fountain pen leaks onto this paper, there's a huge blot, a huge stain of ink on this paper. And that's like us in, in our sin. And then, what happens? Jesus comes and by the cross, he pays the penalty, takes the sin, our sin away from us. That stain that's on our lives, and it's almost like, and if you're if you're uh, of of more mature years in this place, you'll know that you know um, you could have something that you could blot out the ink with. It was neutralised the ink. And it would it's, it's like it would take that stain and neutralize it as if it was never existed. Amen? And so Jesus took that penalty upon himself, and he took all of our sin. Amen? So the spiritual condition of the people's lives were just a natural result that they'd rejected Jesus, and they'd rejected his message. And the spiritual condition was hardness of heart. This was the spiritual condition that the word is talking about. And, you know, I was thinking about that this week and I thought, wow. So this is the condition, hardness of heart, that unless we overcome it, we're doomed to separation from the things that God wants us to enjoy. Do you believe God wants you to enjoy things? Like driving down the coast on a day like today. Oh, wow. We've been... In a long winter, thank God for the spring, but God wants us to enjoy him and his creation and he wants us to enjoy one another, fellowship, your your brothers and sisters. And so I thought, wow, but I was reading something this week and it was like a light bulb moment for me because I want to know, is my heart hard? How do I know if my heart is hard? Has my heart been hardened? Is it still hard or is it okay? I just don't. Sometimes, is there anyone here that doesn't really know if you're in hardness of heart or not? How do you know if your heart is hard? Because you get desensitized to a place eventually where you don't even realize that your heart is hard. And I found myself saying, help me understand this, Lord. What is it? that I can explain or bring to the people that will help them to understand. And something leapt off of a page of what I was reading, and I want to bring that to you this morning. And it's helped me to understand this whole thing. Amen. Do you believe that Jesus went to great lengths to preach a new covenant? Amen. He came here to usher in a new covenant. And when he was speaking to people, he often used language that we all know and understand. For example, the bride and the bridegroom, yeah? And the bride and the bridegroom, what do they do? They leave their parents. And the Bible says they cleave to one another as one flesh. They come into physical and spiritual union with one another. And the word says that once this has taken place and God has joined them together, what does it say that man should not do? Separate it or pull it, pull it apart, amen, amen. So God has been long-suffering with us, amen, would you believe that? For as long as his people have existed, he's had to watch as we've divided ourselves from covenant, not only with him, but with one another too. Amen? Because we're new covenant partners with one another under his covenant. And he's had to, how long has God had to watch? For eons it would appear that people are constantly dividing themselves from covenant. They're extracting themselves from covenant. How sad that we don't truly know the power of covenant. And how vital that covenant is for us to be able to go on this journey of life and overcome and be successful and to lay hold of the prize that's at the end of it. Amen? Do you believe that? So God's desire, I believe, is that there's no division. Covenant is covenant. And covenant is sacred. In his sight it's sacred, it's sacred. Has covenant been broken? Yes. People break covenant all the time. If you've ever been in, in, a business, in a business environment, people you've heard the you know the term getting stabbed in the back. But you know that people break covenant, people make a reach agreement and they go back on their agreement and their word all the time. Is it God's intention that we do it? No. It's not his intention that we break covenant. So he puts things in his word to say, for example, do not be unequally yoked with another. Do not be unequally yoked with someone that is, has a totally different set of values and belief systems to you. It doesn't mean to say we can't communicate with them, know them, interact with them. But when it comes to covenant he says, make sure you're in covenant with the right people. And first of all, make sure you're in covenant with me because I am the Lord, your God. And everything flows out of that. Amen? So if we say we value covenant, remember I'm going somewhere on this way about hardness of heart. If we say we value covenant, but we entertain and act upon motives to, be, to behave as if we are not in covenant, all right. So we say with our lips we're in covenant, but our motives betray us, or we want to bypass the accountability that the covenant requires. If you're in a covenant with someone, are you accountable to them? Now Linda's in kids, kids' crash this morning, but I'm telling you right now, man, she would hold me accountable in a heartbeat. Hang on a second, David. That's not what oh, you know. That's not what we agreed in 1996. September 1996, don't you remember what you said? If we value covenant and we behave as if, you know what, it's not really that important, we've just crossed over into hardness of heart. So yeah, I've got, no, I'm covenant, I'm covenant, I'm in covenant. So let's say we look at this in the light of the marriage covenant. If our question is, and I'm just using marriage as an example, if our question is, how can I get a divorce? In other words, how can I break covenant? Rather than how can I keep this marriage together, which is honoring covenant, then we have that breach. You can read this in Matthew chapter 19, verse eight. We have that breach that Jesus says is hardness of heart. Amen. Actually, do you want to go to Matthew 19, verse eight? Matthew 19, Matthew 19, where are you? Verse 8, he said to them, Moses, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it wasn't so. So God is always, from the very beginning, it's man and wife. Now, we're not going to go, it's a different teaching because we know that some of them practice polygamy, but hardness of heart is involved in that because God from the very beginning only intended that there was one covenant between a man and a woman in his eyes. Isn't that right? So how often do we hear of Israel being described as adulterous? How often do we hear of his people um, being described as unfaithful? And this is something you know. I think about Jesus coming back. He is coming back, amen. And sometimes, are we the generation that's flirting with someone else the night before He comes back? Are we having a little bit of a, you know, oh, you know, don't worry, I'll get my house in order. It's going to be too late because He's a He's a God of covenant. So there's only one reason given in God's word for the separation of covenant anyway. We know what that is. And so this is the thing that I I believe, especially when we are going into this series of parables, that our hardness of heart can really affect, if we have, can really affect how we'll receive God's word in the weeks ahead. And it's better to ask instead of, you know, just like that how can i get it how can i do what i want to do but it not really affect how god sees me in his eyes or is the question in your heart i want to do everything possible under this sun to be true to the covenant with god and if you if that is what's in your heart like david who was you know a man after god's own heart even though he had been through and done a lot of things that were murderous and, adul- and adulterous and wrong. His heart was never, how can I get a divorce from God? His heart was always, how can I make this covenant better and stronger? So when you think about it this week and you think, what is, what is the question in my heart? Is my, am I tending towards trying to live on the fringes of this covenant, but still expect the benefits of the covenant? Or am I all in? Am I totally in in with this? And I believe there is your answer to whether or not your heart is hard. Amen? Amen? So we're moving on this week to this short message about the parable of the persistent widow or the parable of the unjust judge, whichever way you want to look at it. And it's in Luke chapter 18. Now, if God's word says prophetically, You know, basically, um, uh, how can I say? Parables can be hard to understand. They can be challenging to understand. Then this morning, we believe that by the Holy Spirit, he's going to make it easier for us to understand. He's going to guide us into all truth. John chapter 16, verse 13, the Holy Spirit will guide the believer into all truth. Amen. So, and parables, although we said last week, they're... Bringing one thing alongside another to um, to um, explain a point or demonstrate a point, God's word is truth. Yes. Parables are found in God's word, so there is truth in parables. Okay, I think I said last week something like they're not they're not like useless fables. And although they, although like even on this one, the parable of a persistent widow, it's very vague as a parable. We don't really know a lot of the background. We only know a bit about the character of the widow and the judge. And, you know, we don't know everything, okay? So <clears throat> we, but nonetheless, true, there's truths in them, and we're going to mine out the truths if possible. Amen? Okay, so John seventeen seventeen says that we are made holy by the truth. So the more we get the truth into us, the more, the holier we become. I always struggle saying that because I know that that's always the backlash you'll get from people, oh, you're holier than now, aren't you? Right? Well, do you know what it's, I can't deny that God has called us all to be holy people and oh there's and, and I know that he is, he is truly holy, but he says come, he's saying, Come up higher today, come up higher, you can be whole, you can be holier than you are. <laughs> okay, if I can put it that way so if we don't understand the parable, if we don't understand it, and we're ministering to people and we sense that maybe they don't understand the parable, then we need to stop. We need to evaluate ourselves. Because remember, last week I said that, you know, sometimes there can be a, you can be spiritually off kilter in a totally different area. And that's going to stop you from finding the truth that's in the parable. So we need to examine ourselves and make sure that our lack of understanding is not, is not a symptom of the fact that we have got some other really crazy doctrinal view on something that is God's truth, okay? So let's go back on to Luke 18. Um, have you got your Bibles with you this morning? Because we're going to read that passage from verse 1 to 8. But anyway, we're going on to this parable now. So to put it in a bit of context, um, on the run-up in, in chapter 17, it's talking about Christ. It's talking about the future, about the second coming of Christ. And, you know, where are we right now in the calendar? We're in between Christ's first coming and his second coming. Amen? If you're in this church this morning or you're listening online, we are a church that believes that Jesus is coming back again. Amen. He's coming back. He's coming back soon to take his church with him. Amen. So we're in this position right now. And in this position, as a community of believers, as a covenant community, we're going to face hardship. We're going to face persecution. That's going to increase. So this parable is encouraging us to persevere. It's encouraging us to keep on keeping on, to keep on going. Amen. And so, the very first um, verse of the parable, Jesus is not holding anything back. He's saying, "Listen, I'm telling you, this is the purpose of this parable. What could be what couldn't be easier to understand?" Okay. And he says there. Now, Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, not to give up and lose heart. I'm reading that from the Amplified Version. Amen? So always you always ought to pray and not lose heart. And you'll hear that phrase in the New Testament of, often, don't lose heart. And the reason why it crops up in the New Testament all the time is because whoever wrote it whether it was Paul or Timothy or whoever wrote it, knew that there was persecution coming in the latter days. That's why, they keep, that's why it keeps on coming up. Don't lose heart because I know what you're going to be facing soon. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Verse 2, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and had no respect for man. Sounds like a pretty, pretty lousy guy. There was a desperate widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me justice and legal protection from my adversary. For a time he would not. But later he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will give her justice and legal protection Otherwise, by continually coming, can you imagine his demeanor? By continually, she's going to come around again and again and again. And oh my gosh, what's, go, you know, she's going to keep on coming round. She'll be an intolerable annoyance. And she's just going to wear me out. I'm not going to go to that scripture that says, you know, if you have a nagging wife, go to the... Corner of your attic and stay there. <laughs> Do you know what? Husbands, don't be don't be boars. bores, b o r e s, and don't nag your wives either. Because I tell you what, it's not all just one way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come, come on, come on, ladies. So anyway, um, he says, otherwise you're going to wear me out. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not our just God defend and avenge His elect? Who's his elect? The his chosen ones. Has he chosen you? You're his elect. And and who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in providing justice on their behalf? I tell you that he will defend and avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of persistent faith on earth? So this parable is not representing god as the unjust judge it's a contrast so the parable is contrasting god's nature with that of this this judge all right this aloof lofty you know judge and you can imagine this widow coming to him persistently and he's probably sitting in his court with his on his big chair with his legs crossed and all these lackeys and everything around them and everything and she keeps coming and he's kind of like this you know i don't res- i don't respect god i don't respect you here i am in my comfortable position can you can you picture that can you get a visual picture of what it so it's a contrast so the judge is not representative of god and if we go and we look at verse 1 it says there jesus says at all times, you ought to pray and not to lose heart. So what, what is this? He's saying, this is, a, this is a, one of the main points of the parable. You always should pray. Be persistent in prayer. You have ideas and you have wishes. Bring them to the, take them to the Lord and exchange them for his will. He might keep a little bit of your idea or your wish. He knows what you need, what you really need. And he says, you know what? You bring your prayer to me, your actual prayer, and there'll be an exchange. As you bring your needs to me, I'm going to impart more faith into your heart to accomplish that which you're praying for. That is why if we don't pray persistently, faith is not topped up in us. We don't, if faith is not imparted to us, if we just pray our once a week prayer, he says, you must always pray, amen? And then, and then it says there, um, uh, you pray, uh, pray and not lose heart, not lose heart. Now, losing heart can describe something that you've been worn down, exhausted. You're weary from the inside out and it's producing a negative effect in your life, okay? This is the kind of weariness we're talking about. And in one translation, it actually says that you end up totally spiritless. You're so worn out and you're so exhausted that you've lost your spirit. Your spirit has been subdued, okay? So there's this negative truth being referred to here because obviously none of us want to be worn out, do we? But it's a truth that we can be. And it it says there that if we don't pray, we will faint. Amen? If we don't pray, we will faint. Where else? Think of another verse in the Bible where that's familiar, Matthew 26. Jesus said to his disciples, could you not watch and pray with me for just one hour? And they were exhausted. They were weary. Isn't that right? So he's asking his disciples, be on the night watch. Stay alert and be vigilant. Be on the night watch. You know, I, I think that and, and and I think that lots of stuff happens in the night. The night watch. That I have such envy for these some of the people we know that get up super early in the morning. I don't know how you do it, four o'clock in the morning, ding, getting ready for the day, going to your prayer closet. And, and, and But there's things that happen during the night watches. And there's much goes on in your spirit in, during the night. And we need to be vigilant and alert to the, what's going on in our spirit at night. So he's saying, you know, pray for just one out. And then he cites the correlation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we've got another contrast there. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And the word encourages us. Galatians 6, 9. Could you go to Galatians 6, 9? I'll look at that one myself, actually. Galatians 6, 9. We got it? There we go. Do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. Amen? Amen. We will, in due season, we'll reap if we don't lose heart. What are we going to reap in due season? Harvest. Your prayers. The harvest. Yeah. What, what, you have, what you have persistently prayed for, if you do not grow weary, it will, it will come. Amen? And so, praise God for that. Let's look at, at verse 3. There was a desperate widow in that city. And she kept coming to him, to this judge. And I think it's important to understand, why did Jesus use a widow and not just somebody else? Well, what is, if you look at the word and you go through the word, the, the widow is described as someone who has been, who's, who has lack, is lacking. It's been stripped of power. It's been through, you know, usually there's, in fact, I think in Revelation 19, God uh, compares the church to a widow in that she's been, you know, she's been stripped of this, she's lacking in power. And so um, this, to give you an idea that there's a deficiency there, she can't, she's relying on the judge to vindicate her. She does not have the power in and of herself to correct the situation, so she goes to this judge. Do you see what I'm saying? We often don't have the power to correct things ourselves. We don't have the power. We must rely on God. Yes, amen. And God says, do you know what? Yeah. I am the righteous judge. And if you come to me, I will vindicate. Amen. Vengeance is not yours, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine. Yes. And how many times do we want to say, no, listen, Lord, I'll deal with this. You know, I'll deal with this. It's, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to deliver you. If, you. if you do not give up, you will see my deliverance. Amen. And so this is this, is this um, giving you a picture of the widow. And I believe why it's a widow that is used there because she is lacking in the ability to do certain things. And I mean, even like the Elijah and the widow, we see all through God's word. That the widow, and that's why we're, as a church, one of the things is to help widows and orphans in their time of need. Why? Because they, they, they need help. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, anyway, and um, we've, got to, we've got to hear, all right? We've got to hear, there was, and she kept coming, saying, not close our ears off to that cry, not close. So here's this unjust judge and he's, he's definitely, he's keeping her at arm's length. I don't know how long, it doesn't say how long she had to keep on going back to him. How long would you go back? Can you imagine all the other people around the judge scoffing and saying this and that? And you might just get to the point where, do you know what? I'm not going back there. But she was persistent. She never lost heart. She went right back into, I think, the, the cauldron or the lion's den of this man and all of his entourage. She would never, she's like, I'm going back until I get justice. I'm going back. We've got to keep going back. Because God will. He is, he is just. We have to keep going back. Amen. And so... The judge is, according to verse 4, unwilling, but this is the contrast. God is not unwilling. He is willing. God is the righteous judge, and this was the unrighteous judge. God is willing. Amen. And not only that, not only is God willing, but we have a very special somebody right there in the throne room of God, called our advocate, our attorney, who Jesus Christ, who makes intercession on our behalf, and he's right there in, in that. So, hallelujah. He's making intercession for us constantly. On the other hand, we have this adversary. Now, this judge was like really like an adversary to this woman, but she had an issue with someone. The Bible doesn't say what it was, but that it was needed sorted out. And do you know what? It wasn't just justice in a light sense of the word. The woman wasn't saying, listen, could you deal with this? Send them a letter. Actually, the, the term justice there was she was demanding punishment. It was very serious. Whatever had happened, whatever... Um, had transpired against her. She was calling on that judge to severely punish the person who did it. So it was not a light matter. Amen. So we have Satan coming into the throne room of God, accusing you, accusing me. The Bible says that he's the accuser in the midst of the, the brethren. And he's constantly accusing us. What is he trying to make us, what is he trying to do to us? He's trying to make you feel condemned. He's trying to make you feel, he's, he wants you to think that God thinks you're guilty as charged. And not only does God think you're guilty, but so do they. Everyone's got it in for you. you. So it's not, you're condemned by God and others, and you know what? I'm going to put the final nail in the coffin here. You're going to condemn yourself. Self-condemnation. Threefold. God doesn't want anything to do with you, people don't care about you, and you are useless, good for nothing, and self you know, you you're basically condemned. End of story, full stop, let's go move on. No. So the devil is trying to misrepresent God to you every day. God is not the unright God is not the unjust judge. God is the just judge. He's the righteous judge. He, Satan wants you, you to think that God is angry, frustrated with you, impatient with your pathetic life. I mean, let's just be, thats the, when Satan comes, he doesn't mess about, does he? I, I, I felt pathetic on more than one occasion. He's trying to say, you, you know, this, and who are you that God would think about you? And so on. What did he, when, he went to, when he went to Eve, when Satan went to Eve, what did he say? Did God really say? What, what did God, did God really say that? That doesn't sound like God to me. The real God that I know, he would want you to eat this. He would want you to have that. No, if I do take of that, it's the knowledge of, of between good and evil. Did God surely say that you should not eat of this? Maybe he just thinks that you'll be like him if you do that. But so it's all confusion. It's, it's bringing in confusion. Amen. If Satan can convince us that that is what God is really like, then it's no wonder that we'd give up. We would faint. We would lose heart and we would stop. Amen. Amen. If we swallow his deception, we would stop. We wouldn't, we wouldn't persevere. And Satan's going to try and deceive us about God's willingness to answer our prayers. But this parable counteracts that. Jesus is saying to his disciples in this instance, keep on praying. Petition God. Do not doubt God's willingness to grant your requests. What does the word say? Make your requests known to God. And Satan, he would your enemy, your adversary, he doesn't want you to be petitioning God. Do you know another thing that we do, and this is powerful, is that let that prayer become your worship. Let your worship become your prayer. Let that flow. When we start to bring our adoration into our into the prayer closet, it takes us to another dimension when we begin to worship him in spirit and in truth, actually many times we can pray out of the worship of our hearts. Amen? So there's, 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 there's this contrast here. And if we misunderstand that parable, we could think it's saying, you've got to go and nag God until you get what you want. All right? Go and badger him, pester him until he eventually gives in and he's had enough of you coming back. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. God is God. God's not going to allow me to manipulate him. God's not going to, you know, it's like, oh, David, are you trying to put a guilt trip on me again? No way. God is God. He's sovereign. It's like, it doesn't matter what God sees right through me. You know, oh, you, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I feel like I'm pestering. God knows your heart, and if and if He sees you persevering, He will reward that perseverance, that persistence, because it shows Him, I know where your heart is. Your heart is desires me, and you know that I'm the source of what you need. Amen. Amen. And so the widow, the widow knew her rights. That's why she never gave up. How many Christians do not, we don't know what is ours. So we give up instead of remembering that God says, try me now in this. Have I not said? Will I not do? Amen. She knew her rights. She knew what was due to her and she wasn't going to take no for an answer. This parable is saying to us, if you can persist with an unrighteous person that much, right? If you can do that with a man, how much more are you able to persist with me? You would do it for a man. So if you do it for a man, why, why do you when, you, when it's like a, a glass ceiling, why do you stop? But we do, don't we? It's like a brass heaven. It's like that went up and it bounced straight back off and it hit me on the heat. And, and it's like, it's like that every day I pray and it bounces right back. It's like an echo chamber I'm in, you know, and God's like, pray without ceasing. And the other thing is sometimes we think this is talking about actual prayer, not that kind of breathy prayer that we, that we we're doing our thing and it's there. It's, it's focused prayer. It's focused prayer. When Jesus said to his disciples, could you not watch with me? You actually practically have to be alert and vigilant. Do whatever it takes to stay awake and pray. Amen? And so to, clo- to close off, and these parables are all short, and they'll all be sh- short, shortish messages. <laughs> oh, no, take that back, shortish me- messages. But God's eager to answer you when you pray. And he responds to faith. And faith doesn't give up. Faith persists. And he answers according to our faith. Amen? And so he's willing to deliver justice. If if our faith is weak or shipwrecked or there's no faith working in us, remember, even though we pray, we must take steps to walk out our prayer. So faith without works is is dead. So we do take steps to walk out our prayer. But if there's no faith working in us, then he, he may tarry. We may have to wait. He wants to see you put your faith into action. Amen. And then he will, he will vindicate you. He will, he will fight on your behalf. He will exercise justice. Amen. And I want to finish with with this scripture in, in Ephesians 3.20. Paul's talking about spiritual growth. And from verse 14, it says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Our next, next slide that we do, the other one is he did, that was great with the roots going down into the soil. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Amen. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, his love is too great to actually comprehend. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Here's the key scripture, verse 20. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. When we take our prayer, when we petition him, when we are persistent like the widow. He's like, I can do infinitely more than you're even thinking right now. I can do much more. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, we're in this season right now between when Jesus was here and when Jesus is coming back again. And and there's going to be a time on this earth where the kingdom of earth exists alongside the tribulation. And there's going to be hostility. A lot of hostility. And being in the kingdom, I, I, I don't know the right way to put this, but you're almost inviting persecution. If you choose to be on his side, it's something that we know will come. But, We're building a body of true and strong believers that are willing to lay down their lives and sacrifice, just like those people in the Ukraine, for their land. Do you know that when um, God, oh, there's something powerful about what God gives you, like land, for example. Land. You don't just get driven off your land. No. Because if God has given you that land, it's covenant land it's covenant land. No one's going to drive you off there. They might try. They might temporarily shift you, but he will restore you to your land. Yes. It's covenant land. It's not the enemy's land. It's covenant land. Remember that, with, remember that as believers when God says, this is what is yours. I've covenanted with you. Don't, don't run away when, when the giants, oh, this is going to be a route. I'm going to lose this. Stay, stand firm. Be persistent. Amen. Because God will turn every situation around. Amen. And what they've meant for destruction will return upon their own head. And we pray that for Ukraine. That whatever is intended for destruction will come back on, the, on their own, the head of the, of, of the adversary. And in the meantime, we pray because there's so much innocent, and there's in- innocence even within the armed forces that have been totally deceived and duped. And so we pray. We pray for them. God will always avenge those who believe in Him and stay close to Him. Amen? Amen. And so in Revelation 9.10 9, it talks about the saints crying out, sovereign lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And sometimes God may say wait a little longer. But it is coming. So if you might have to wait a little longer, but it is coming. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So we're going to move through some parables over the next few weeks and um, trust God that they minister to us and we take things like that, PowerPoints out of them that we can really live by. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.